0: Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture. I'm Robert Bound and on today's programme I'm going to be getting lost in Italy. That is the title of a new show at London's Luxembourg & Co gallery that's been put together by the Italian star curator Francesco Bonami and Alma Luxembourg from the gallery itself. It centres around the artistic world of post-war Italy that in the 1950s and 60s seemed thronged with artists showing their own and each other's works and daring galleries who exhibited it. Galleria La Salita, for example, showed the American Richard Serra's Animal Habitats Live and Stuffed, which featured a cage with a live pig in it next to stuffed animals and lots of straw. People went, what? What? But it didn't matter. There was lots going on and many ideas being tried, taken up, discarded, changed around. Cy Twombly and Robert Rauschenberg became synonymous with working in Italy at this time and are shown here. But also links are made to Duchamp, Bacon, Yves Klein and beyond. Lost in Italy surmises what conversations the art and artists of the time were having by showing, for example, Alberto Burri's warped and burnt plastic pieces next to Robert Rauschenberg's more structured collage-like works, and a rare Lucio Fontana made from an unpainted, stretched, elegantly incised canvas. Elsewhere, Man Ray and Piero Manzoni draw a literal line of rope between their materials and a bondagey suggestiveness with a brand new work for the show from Maurizio Catalan. This effigy of Catalan hangs prostrate from a flagpole outside the show on Savile Row. At least he's wearing a nice suit. Who better then to get lost in Italy with than Alma Luxemburg and Francesco Bonami? Alma Francesco thank you very much um, for your time today it's really nice to be lost in Italy like physically here in Savile Row to be lost in Italy (laughs) is a great sort of opening of doors here in London and trust you guys to to do it so thanks for that thanks for sort of inviting us to this feel like I'm looking out upon golden fields and lots of beautiful art I wanted to ask you first both about the title Lost in Italy.
1: It was lost in Italy because I think we lost the it, us Italian mostly. We lost the idea that Italy was uh, really a place in the f- 50s and 60s where a lot of private galleries were experimenting with new artists uh, internationally, and Italy was very vibrant in terms of that thing. So. We lost. Uh, my idea was that we lost a little bit of memory of those periods, and uh, we lost also probably this uh, attitude as Italian to do experiment with this uh, kind of art. I mean, now it's completely different uh, environment, and I think that the world has changed completely from the fifties. At that time, it was quite daring to bring uh, Francis Bacon, and nobody almost knew it him, in in Torino the Galleria Galatea or. Eve Klein in in Milano or Richard Serra in Rome at the Galilea Salita, I mean it was
0: absolutely astounding. The the show you're talking about, Francesco, is that amazing show with all the, the live animals, live and dead animals in cages and cages in cages. Are there any sort of eyewitness accounts of that of that show? Because there was such a for, you know, Italy at that point was such a fertile ground for artists coming from all over the world, especially the United States, if, as you've got in this show. What was it like to be
2: at that show, I wonder? There are great photographs of uh, an Italian photographer called Aldo Durazzi from the exhibition. And it looks like the opening was packed with lots of people. And and so I think that it it indicates that it was probably quite followed yeah. at the time. Uh, also Galleria La Salita was a very interesting gallery to go to so I Mm -hmm. think people would have gone even not knowing who Richard Serra is obviously you know coming from America and this was one of his first ever exhibitions so I'm not sure that people came especially for him but they would have gone to that gallery anyway because it was very edgy.
1: At the time I think there was a now, because it's very nostalgic to say this, because, but it, there must have been a curiosity, and I think people hated the show absolutely. The the, the the art critics and the establishment probably found it a joke, but you could see that there was a curiosity. There was, you could see that there still was what now is completely lost. Some kind of underground and experimental thing that people were curious to see. What uh, was happening, you know, and interpretation now, of course, with the past of the year, the decade changes completely. I think at the time, Richard Serra was more curious about the rural and farms environment around the uh, urban landscape. So he was curious about this this uh, orchard and and farm with live animals there. So. It was more a kind of uh, an eye of a folkloric okay. aspect of the thing rather than conceptual. So now we see it as the seed of Arte Povera and also of a lot of Maurizio's Catalan works. But at the time, I think Richard Serra didn't think to do a, a highly uh, Arte Povera or conceptual statement. He was more probably mocking the uh, uh, Italian culture uh, in God. And also I think Riccio Serra always remove this exhibition from his, his kind of CV <laughs> for <laughs> a long time because he didn't think that was part of his, his uh, future language. I hear that now it's it's revisiting uh, because he, he kind of realized that that, that show was... Uh, seminal for the Arte Povera movement and many many other artists like Cunelli or Pascali that look at the show and a few months after start to do works not similar but definitely inspired by that uh, daring gesture of this American that
0: nobody knew who he was. Yeah it's an amazing thing and, and here um, in the gallery you've got in one of the rooms off the main room you have these works in kind of dialogue with each other and that's very much the spirit of this whole show isn't it that these these artworks are having conversations whispered conversations in corners some of them are shouting at each other across the galleries but that's the idea of this show that, that there's a dialogue between all the
1: them. idea was yes that this conversation that was going on uh clearly and softly and sometimes you know whispering gossiping so I think some of them are
0: telling jokes to each other
1: I, I, I mean, some like make it a joke Someone <laughs> were stealing ideas from each other yeah. there is this all this the discussion among the art of power artists f- they still fight about dates yeah. you know people you know, the guy put 66 and the other say no I did it first in 65 it's like it's, backdating it, a check right yeah backdating <laughs> check and things <laughs> of that. It's, it's very funny how the the, the the desire to be the first one to do something, you know, and uh, it's uh, it's bizarre because you know, I don't think that one uh, painter of Renaissance did the crucifixion yeah. was accusing the other to have stolen the idea <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, of a crucifixion, of a nativity, yeah. you know, I, I did first the nativity, he didn't think about it, Yeah, you know, but uh, <laughs> now in the contemporary art world, there is still now, there is this, this obsession of being the first, and by the nature of the business, you you know, is is not anymore by teams. It's by idea. So the
0: idea must be first. And tell us a little bit about Arte Povera, because you t- the, your show touches on it, but it's not not the basis of it, I suppose. But ma- the materials that Rauschenberg and Sarah and 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 and, um, and even Lucio Fontana there's a beautiful Lucio Fontana in the show these these use, the sort of ordinary materials, plastic and packing paper and all this kind of stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about how Arte Povera touches into the works that you've got here in Lost in
2: Italy? Quite a big mix of different materials. Ah. So from the buri that is made of burnt plastic to the fontana, which you mentioned, which is just raw canvas. Obviously, there is that side of, of the material which comes out of really what was happening in Italy, which in the 50s and 60s was a whole wave of reconstruction. And so all these materials, which were ordinary and became such a big part and take on such a huge significance um, that these artists decide to kind of go back into engaging with those instead of using more decorative materials Mm -hmm. to make art with
0: was this like a sort of celebration of the ordinary like a, a, as in a a sort of symbolic um relationship with these materials, or was it simply born out of actual povera you know was it that that this certain artists could only get their hands on certain of these materials
1: no i don't i think so i mean no I think there was a kind of a reaction to formalism and painting and things like that, but you can see uh, for example we put uh the Rauschenberg combined between uh, Fontana and Buri, we squeeze him into these two. If you look at it carefully, you see th- completely the different approach that Italian artists had and an American artist had Fontana and Buri and all the Italian artists by this they have always this kind of sometimes preposterous aspiration to infinity, to kind of <laughs> think that out of a, the, the burn
0: plastic… That's your enunciation again, yeah, right there, the, your nativity. the, the, the
1: burn plastic is something <clears throat> yeah. dramatic. It yeah. goes beyond just pl- the burned plastic as the war and the wounds. And the Cato Fontana, they call it uh, um, spatial concept, so this idea of space that is a concept. Rosenberg is very much grounded. is is the seed of the pop art, and you can see that he's the man of the society, the man of of the of the time, the moment. The, he doesn't have any religious aspiration. You want to? He's like a bum compared with the two other priests. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a. And know, it's, it's reaching a, out of the canvas. It's a you, bum. Right? It's, yeah, it comes out. You know, the the hat, the thing, the little. It just it, you can see it. He go through garbage while uh, burry and things they want to transform everything is not, everything as a kind of spirituality, you know, even a piece of plastic is spiritual. And there is also this kind of craving for the the texture, the matter, which has been the the strength of Italian art and the weakness because when you you crave to look at the detail of of a material. You get obsessed. You become an artisan, and you don't be, and and you lose the idea of being an artist. You are, you become obsessed with the texture and not with the, the, the aura, the spiritual part of the thing. In, in, in fact, it's, it, it becomes more religious Rauschenberg than Buri and Fontana at the end of the day, because it Rauschenberg looks at the at the person, the human being, and Buri and Fontana thinks about God, which probably doesn't exist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that goes back to Sarah with that folkloric thing, right? It's all about touching the, getting your hands dirty, getting some mud under your fingernails as an artist, I suppose. That's a kind of an intention of, of, of some of these.
2: Francesco was talking about lost in Italy from the point of view of what Italy lost. But I think there's also the losing of yourself in Italy. These artists came and there was a sort of a certain freedom that maybe they didn't feel they had elsewhere and the kind of creativity and what came out of it is out of that uh, being in that melting pot with with all these different influences together I think that's a little way in the way that the show is constructed we try to show you that melting pot basically those influences that come from different directions and these conversations that happened or sometimes you know something influenced something else there wasn't a direct conversation but there was you know somebody saw something and then did something else and it obviously has a relationship it's interesting to see that place because like with everything places change and things change and it's today not exactly like what it was at the time so and,
1: and you put yeah. that phrase of to on the wall, which is quite revealing, where he's totally kind of oh. underwhelmed by the experience in Italy. He arrives yeah, in yeah. Italy uh, and he, he found it dirty and kind of uh, <laughs> it, not... Disappointing. Not disappointing <laughs> compared Medici. with the thing, you know, he didn't okay. find the Medici court, but he found peasant and uh, <laughs> like what Sarah finds, you know. Mm-hmm. goes into his, uh, this farmer, this thing, and so he, he, he transformed it transformed in he transformed this disappointment, Sarah, in an exhibition. And that Saitwombly said, which is more was more refined, maybe he thought it he was kind of shocked. And so there is is this kind of conflicting feeling between having a an holiday and being exiled, because we have to remember that Saitwombly went to Rome not because only want to see Italy, mm-hmm. but because he was an artist that with the uh, appearing of pop art was totally disregarded mm-hmm. in, in the United States. So he was the friend that nobody wanted to uh, show. So yeah, in true. order to avoid this this frustration mm-hmm. in New York, he decided to move to Italy and, uh, and the Russia kind of follow him because we're together. But uh, it's uh, so it's interesting to see how history is much more uh, real and endearing and human than art history is, you know, if you read it, yeah, uh, there is a narrative that is built around artists going to Rome, blah, 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 seeing things. In fact, you know, people move for reasons that are not. And we, we can go to the end to, to Maurizio Hutta and why he moved to the United States, which is also very interesting
0: as a story. Alma, when um, she walked us through the show, talked with regards to Maurizio also about Scarpitta. And these two artists seem to have a kind of... Who owns them? Who owns their reputations? What pa- kind of... What Western passports American. do they have? Yeah, this American versus Italian thing. Uh,
1: well, both for Scarpitta and, and, and Catalan. Catalan is a little mere complicated as uh, to define who owns what. I think Catalan still now owns himself in the sense that... <laughs> Is a little bit his own country, he's, li- he's a little his own village.
0: No <laughs> man is an island apart from Maurizio Catalan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> apart from Maurizio Catalan, no man is an island, he is, he's a little rock. In the middle of the Mediterranean, yes, not in the middle of the ocean, but he's a little rock. Scarpita I think definitely arrived to America he met Leo Castelli and he definitely was He's a much more limited artist than than Catalan. His language was very much tied to this kind of work that we see also in the show. He just make variation, but he was definitely he found the support of Gio Castelli who supported until the very end of his life. We can say that Scarpi is a true Italo-American artist.
2: Yeah, I was telling Rob that the problem for Scarpita was that. The Italians thought he was American, and the Americans thought he's Italian. Yeah. So he never quite. He never quite. But Maurizio any. doesn't have this problem, I think. Maurizio
1: is a, is, is is Italian. Is is you can compare him to the actor Roberto Benigni. You know the. Uh-huh. Is is a typical Italian. He plays on this Italian kind of, almost. Clownish character, uh,
0: caricature. Uh, the, the, the work itself is a caricature of himself. So, what happened to the? What happened to the, the Italian vibe? I don't
2: know. I think it's a mixture. You know, like you don't know to define it when it happens. Uh. You don't know to define it when it doesn't happen. What if you look at what did happen at the time in Italy was that there were great, very courageous gallerists who were ready to show work that was edgy and different by unknown artists, you know, and and presenting it to a local audience. The audience that was there was very much engaged with art, not just, you know, from living, which in, in Italy you live with art in almost every piece of architecture that is around you, but also with contemporary practice and artists and collecting and, you know, building museums and and setting up infrastructure that enables um, engagement with art. And artists, obviously, that, you know, were, as Francesco was saying, ready to invent things and and be daring and uh, take a stand. What happens is that if some of those things um, become weaker, then maybe the move is towards a different place. That's basically it. Yeah,
0: and, and, and the focus of certain parts of your show, that immediate post-Second World War, Italy as well, Well, you know, Ju- Juvenal said that Rome suffered from a lack of, Rome was suffering from a lack of war. Maybe it is that thing. You need that hardship to to, to to kind of get the creativity going, to build something out of the ashes, whether it's art or whether it's hospitals and schools and a whole new country. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's probably possible. But then there is this word that I mentioned before, which I love. It in English is ingenuity, because in Italia, ingenuità is naïveté, uh-huh. and ingenuity means is a mixture between naïveté and geniality. And this, I think, is the the perfect cocktail to invent something. And the American, I think, they maintain this kind, of, not all, but this kind of ingenuity, this mixture. If you are not naive, you cannot activate your geniality. And the, the problem with Italian is that we start to believe in our own act, and we start to believe that we are, geni- we are just genius. We are no naive at all. We are genius. We know it all.
0: Welcome to England. Yeah, to England. Yeah, you know it
1: all. But at least you invented football, tennis, <laughs> golf, and things like that. You know. <laughs>
0: We're in the happy position of you've installed this new work by Maurizio Catalan, the 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 only sort of freshly commissioned work in this in this uh, show. Uh, It's called You, and he's a hanged man. He's the man that's hung himself, hanging from a what is it? Probably a pulley. It probably when Savile Row had a less august reputation. Is he's a flagpole? Flagpole. Okay, it's a flagpole. Lots of people are taking you know, it's an Instagram happy and a selfie happy. Um, installation. A lot of people are falling over the post box yeah. and things outside trying to get exactly the right angle or get there, get themselves in it somehow. So I think this is a piece of mischief which both of you have created. And of course, the artist himself very beautifully and placed it perfectly. But tell, that, tell me how that, tell me how this this poor guy who's hung himself outside the gallery on Savile Row, how's he chorus, How What's his through line? Because I know there is a sort of idea of lines and ropes, sort of, sort of through line with him to the, some of the and other works in the
2: show. he is Maurizio. so he hung himself, <laughs> which portrait. is which is better. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the first thing is
1: it's uh, it's curator' dream coming true. See one of the artists be hang himself. You know, usually the artist. <laughs> Push the curator to hang himself, yeah. or the dealer uh, to hang himself. In this case, it's him, it's, you know, we it's, change it around. It's a dream, he's an artist that <laughs> d- decides to kill himself. And and uh, when I talk with Maurizio, he, he saw the flagpole and uh, he thought, he always think, as I was telling Alma before, so, uh, I say, is a very calculating, cynical person, he doesn't care if me or her go to jail or we get sued or something he would never tell you that I don't care but it will so when I asked the work of course he didn't give me a nice work to put inside but he started thinking so the <laughs> gallery and he started thinking what I can do that give me uh, the most visibility and uh, it create the most trouble for anybody <laughs> handling it. Right, right now we don't have um, so many trouble
2: no so
0: far so good so far so good you've, I met, th- you've had, it, you've had, it, you've had it. As far as this podcast goes, we've had you've had a de- you've had about eight hours. Eight yeah. hours, a good that. a good time. Good <laughs> time. Yes.
2: I
1: think what is saved is the fact that it's a self-portrait, and uh, I think the redeeming quality of the work it's uh, it's uh, the bouquet of flowers because it transforms an execution into a gesture almost of love, of despair, of failure, and you, you know, this you is is kind of this kind of pleading toward another person, you, please, lo- I did it for you, uh, <laughs> please love me, or I, I kill myself for you. So it takes away a lot of, uh, it's dramatic, but there is a romanticism in the work. There is a kind of melancholia. It's not, it's not just a brutal act of suicide. is a kind of imaginary suicide. You know, if you don't love me, I kill myself. You know, it's very
0: good. To, it's very okay. emo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also what sort of relationship has, has the poor, poor departed Maurizio Catalan artwork, anyway, got with the, the, the great and the good at the back of the Royal Academy. Those kind of old Royal Academicians who are in their breeches and silk trousers and all the rest of it are they getting on with each other out there do you think what what are they talking about
2: i think they'll be happy to have some new company yeah (laughs) (laughs) the the royal academicians who are sitting there for years they've been
0: hanging out for like 250 years in the same place
2: give them somebody else i think it's also smart coming out of this very difficult period in which people were not able to go outside so much to see each other, to engage with art, even to feel comfortable going indoors, yeah. uh, even into an art gallery. Um, the museums today, the Royal Academy, is still not open. Um, so, I, so you know, I think it, yeah. that bringing the art outside to the street is a very smart yeah, So we could yeah.
1: take advantage of the situation, say that this is an... Yeah. App- is a celebration of the lockdown, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the positive aspect of the lockdown. <laughs> you know, exactly. You can see art outside of a building, even if there would be uh, knocking on wood uh, another lockdown. The, the, this work, but the, the the relationship with the Royal Academy is interesting because you know, again we can take advantage of Maurizio's work and say that you know, the Royal Academy celebrates is. Founder father after they were dead, and Maurizio yeah. Yeah. actually celebrates today. himself yeah. to, the, 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 today while still alive uh, with a dead <laughs> <laughs> portrait of himself. So there is this kind of, kind of not waiting for history to. Sanctify He's you. He's canonising himself live. He, he himself live with a gesture. You know, it's uh, <laughs> and with you know taking off the burden of someone to kill him, or you know, you know, he does it himself. You know, he does everything himself. Generous to
0: generous to the end. Yeah.
1: Generous to the end.
0: And Lost in Italy is on at Luxembourg and Co on Savile Row until the third of July. My thanks to Alma and Francesco and to Holly Fisher, who produced this programme. We'll be back next week with more reopening cultural goodness. But for the time being from me, Robert Bound, thanks for tuning in.